morning, Emmanuel family. Ma'an, yes. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say that James and I are going to Bethel in like two and a half weeks' time, but I felt like I was at Bethel this morning. I don't know about you guys, but that was incredible. Thank you to the worship team. It was beautiful. Um, just a little bit about us is um, James and I came and joined Emmanuel in 2020, and it has absolutely placed us out of our socks. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to honor and thank this community for all that they're doing and yeah really say thank you for teaching us the simple and true gospel um, because we're able to share it because of you guys so thank you for that um, so I'm just here to introduce the topic and then James is going to share and then I'll come up and share after so our topic today is called rest and respond and the reason for this topic is because this was actually our word for the year and I just wanted to introduce the term word for the year because I think it's such a beautiful concept that was introduced to us by our friends like three years ago. And um, basically it's when you sit and have quiet time with Jesus and you ask him the same way that you would for like, what should my, my what's the word, New Year's resolutions be? But this is just so much more powerful. And what's awesome about this is that James and I actually got this word on separate occasions, but somehow within the same hour and a half of our day, James was at a lunch and I was at home and um, came together after his lunch. And he said, no, my word for the year is rest and peace, Jen. And I said, wow, my word for the year is rest and respond. And so um, it was beautiful how the Holy Spirit had spoken to us both with very, very similar words for the year. Um, so yeah, this is our, our preach today, rest and respond, and just to let you know what the Holy Spirit said to me when he gave me this word. So these are the, the exact words he spoke to me. He said, <clears throat> rest and respond this year and you'll understand pure relationship with me. He said, lean into me and read your Bible more. Listen to me, having quiet time with me, learn from me, and you'll hear my Holy Spirit advice and laugh with me, and you will rest. So over to James, and he's going to share on rest, and then I'll come and share on respond. Awesome. Cool. Thank you so much, love. Um, morning, Emmanuel family. So good to see you all this morning. Um, nice to have rain and a bit of a cooler day. You know, normally I wear shorts to church, and I'm grateful that it rained on the day we were preaching. Um, yesterday, Jen and I were just doing the final uh, preparations and touching up what we wanted to share on this morning. And I didn't know how to actually enter into and start what I wanted to share on. And I just asked the Holy Spirit to guide me and to show me exactly what I needed to share on. I looked across the dining room table where we were sitting and my laptop was actually resting on, on this, this present box. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm gonna use this present box as a little prop. So Naaman, I'm, I'm gonna use you as an example. Here's a free gift. I'm giving you this present box. And that box represents all of the spiritual gifts. And that is a box of rest. Now you have a choice with that box. You can either keep it on your lap as you have it now, shut and sealed, or you can take off the lid and open and free to receive what God has in store for you inside. But that choice is up to you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you a scripture in, in Hebrews 4. Yeah, you can see you're very eager to open the box. <laughs> In Hebrews 4, verses 1 to 3, now the promise of entering into God's rest, so my eyes actually, Jen's been telling me I need to get an eye test done, because I actually, I'm going to keep using this big screen here instead of the TV at the back. 
Um, now the promise of entering into God's rest is still for us today. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. See, God's rest is an experience. For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did. That, that is the image of me giving name in the box. He has received, he has received it. Yet they didn't join their faith with the word. This is talking about the unbelieving children of Israel. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply, for they doubted. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. Do you wanna know what faith looks like? Nam, can you open that box? That's faith. It's as simple as that. That's just belief and faith. In Hebrews four verses nine to 11, so we conclude that there is still a full and complete Sabbath rest waiting for believers to experience. There's the word experience again. As we enter into God's faith rest life, we seize from our own works just as God celebrates his finished works and rests in them. So then we must be eager to experience that faith rest life. We all saw how eager Naaman was to open that box. So that no one falls short by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief. This, the amazing thing about this scripture is that all of the effort and performance is on God. It's not on us. See, it says there, we must seize from our own works in red just as God celebrates his finished works, past tense, and rests in them. I'm sure I had another scripture, but anyway. <laughs> Which mountain are you standing on? So I'm gonna share today on two mountains, Mount Sinai and Mount Zion, and we need to consider which, which mountain our feet are firmly planted on. Mount Sinai. We read in Exodus when Moses was leading the Israelites out of Egypt and into the promised land, and there came a time when the Israelites needed guidance. They needed to know what was right, what was wrong. How should they live to please the Father? How should they conduct their daily lives to please God? And Moses spent a lot of time up on Mount Sinai with God and just communing and talking with God. And God, God in here where we're gonna read, God is giving Moses the 10 commandments. And as we know, it was actually more than 10 commandments, but I'm just gonna read from verse 18 here. And this is the, the, all the Israelites were at the foot of the mountain whilst Moses was on the mountain when God was giving him the commandments. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. See, the Israelites knew that the requirement to meet and completely fulfill God's perfect requirements was virtually impossible. They, they could see that and they experienced fear. Then in verse 21, we read that the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was and there was separation. Moses was the mediator in this case. Surely we, we had a better mediator coming. We, we see in James chapter two, verses 10, where, where he shows how impossible it actually is to keep the law. 
For the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of the laws. Straight away from that scripture, you, you can see that it's impossible to meet this perfect requirement in your own efforts and performance. So then you may ask me, James, why did, why did God give the law? See, the law was holy and it, and it had a purpose. And as we all know, and it's been shared in this church many times, the law was given to point towards the need for Jesus, to point towards the need for a savior, a new and better mediator. I had a really, really, a really interesting conversation with um, Stu, my father-in-law, who's he's here today, a couple of weeks ago, and he showed me the scripture in Luke, and it really did amaze me, and it, it caught me. Um, so in, this, in Luke chapter one, we read about angel Gabriel, who had appeared to Mary, and told Mary that she would give birth to the Son of God, that she would give birth to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. In the same conversation, the angel Gabriel also told Mary that her cousin Elizabeth, who had struggled to fall pregnant for many, many years and had never conceived, was also six months pregnant. Elizabeth was, was pregnant with John the Baptist, who, as you all know, is now would be Jesus' second cousin. And having heard this news, Mary packed up her things and rushed to go and visit Elizabeth. She wanted to go and see her cousin after she had heard this news that her cousin was pregnant. I'm gonna pick up from verse 41 to 44. And this is as Mary's rushing into Elizabeth's house. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb, oh, sorry, I read that wrong. <laughs> when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Wow, how profound is that? That Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit and John the Baptist leaped for joy. And this was before Jesus was even born. How amazing is that impact that Jesus has had on these two wonderful people in the Scriptures? Surely this was a sign of the coming of a new and better covenant, of a new and better mountain. Mount Zion. Mount Zion, as we know, is the hill upon which Jesus carried his cross, bore the sins of the world, and laid down his life for us. In doing, in doing some research about Mount Zion, I was, I was amazed by how many Old Covenant scriptures, Old Testament scriptures, prophesy that God had actually destined and chosen Mount Zion to be his dwelling and resting place. And I'm just gonna read a few of them to you. In Psalm 132, verses 11, sorry, verses 13 to 16, for the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired for it as his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor bread. I will also clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints sh uh, shall shout aloud for joy. In Isaiah 35 verses 10, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. 
In Isaiah 28, verse 16, therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. That scripture there, God pointed it to me yesterday. I just found it fascinating how he compares Zion, or there it says, uh, I'm the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone. See, God had written the laws on a stone. Jesus is the new tested stone. He is the precious cornerstone and our sure foundation. Don't try and do the splits between the mountains. I actually, in prepping, I said to Jen, maybe I should do this, but I decided not to. I thought of getting two hula hoops and making someone put their one foot in the other and the other foot in the other and say, that was Mount Sinai and that was Mount Zion. And then I would go ahead and ask you, do you feel comfortable? And the answer would be no. <laughs> you see, we can't have one foot in Mount Sinai and one foot in Mount Zion. God has moved to Mount Zion, the mountain of grace. If you are on Mount Sinai, the reality is that it can only breed insecurity, doubt, and, and I also wanna just say that if you do wanna live according to Mount Sinai, there can, there can be one of two things, or both. You can either experience guilt and condemnation because meeting the perfect requirements of God, you're bound to fail, or you'll experience self-righteousness and pride. If you want a life of hope, security, and true liberty, a sure foundation, then I urge you to consider which mountain your feet are both fully, <laughs> fully, surely, <laughs> or properly planted on. Securely, that's the word I was looking for. <laughs> there can only be one mountain. And we see this in Romans 6, verses 14. Uh, where it clearly shows us that you cannot have a mixture of grace and law in your life. For you're not under the law, but under grace. You can't be under both. If you weren't here last week, I'd highly recommend going back and listening to Cam's preach. He shared on this scripture as well in Galatians 3. And I'm gonna read from the New Living Translation. And here Paul is addressing the Galatian church and saying to them, You've received this gospel of grace. Why would you go back to the old ways of the law? And I'm just gonna read for us here. O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You receive the Spirit because you believe the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect in your own human effort? The performance here is not on us. Again, the performance is all on God and it's not about our performance. It's not about us trying to please God to earn our rest, to earn our salvation, to earn all of the gifts. That's a free gift and we just open the lid. I thought that I would just run through a list of some of the amazing promises of God. When we find ourselves with both of our feet securely planted in Mount Zion, we can trust God for all of these promises. And I've put the scriptures there in case anyone wants them and 
this is just like, this is scriptural. This isn't me just making up promises. Um, God remembers our sins no more. God qualifies us. Jesus takes hold of us and never lets go. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. God gives us the Holy Spirit to teach us, empower us, and remind us of our righteousness. I don't wanna trample on, I'm, I'm sure, I know Jen shares on this as well, but the Holy Spirit doesn't convict you of sin. The Holy Spirit convicts you and reminds you of your righteousness and who you are in Christ. And that's what changes you from the inside out. He abundantly supplies all of our needs that we might enjoy life to the full. God empowers us to overcome the enemy. We have his delegated authority over demons and disease. We live under his divine protection. We are destined to reign in life. God offers us his rest. Under the old covenant, it was do, do, do. Under the new covenant, it is done, done, done. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places, and God gives us eternal life. Beautiful. I'm going to hand over to Jen, and she's going to, she's going to share on responding. Thanks, love. Okay, so how beautiful is it that we get to rest in God's promises, and how meaningful and impactful are every single one of those promises that James just shared now? And the fact is that we truly can live like that. If you looked at those and you were thinking, wow, that's amazing, best believe that it's true, and that is the simple gospel. Yeah. So, I now get the privilege of sharing on respond, which is an absolute, absolute blessing that all of us have access to this Holy Spirit now, and it's actually an unfair advantage where we get to actually have a wisdom that other people on earth that aren't Christian do not have the privilege and the blessing of walking in. Okay, so... James and I found the scripture and we actually said to each other, the scripture is so beautiful that every one of us should actually have it framed on our wall in our bedrooms. <laughs> so allow it to bless you as I read it out now. So I kneel humbly in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released deep inside you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and root of your life. Then you will be empowered to discover that what every holy one experiences the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. 
he will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. How beautiful is that? So that was the Passion Translation of Ephesians 3, verse 14 to 20. So it says there, and it states there, his miraculous power constantly energizes you. So what does that mean? We just get to rest. We just get to rest and receive. I also wanted to quickly take note, um, the Holy Spirit prompted me during um, worship whilst we were singing, I love you to Jesus. He reminded me, just to let you all know that we love because he first loved us. And so if you were singing those lines and you actually had a little bit of a gut feeling in your heart and you didn't know whether like, you even should be singing I love you to Jesus because of events you've recently experienced and you're just feeling separation, just know that he is, he is there. He never leaves you. He will love you no matter what. <clears throat> okay, so in John 15 verse 5 it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So that's really powerful, that scripture, because it actually says if we don't confide in the Holy Spirit and we don't um, listen to his promptings, that we aren't truly living with Jesus the way that we can be and the way that we should be. And don't worry if you're sitting here thinking to yourself, oh, I don't know if I'm following the promptings, because even if you aren't, God is a good, good father, and God can use any situation to bring good, and he can use all things to bring good. But when we do live in the Spirit, he is able to bring abundantly more. He is able to really work in us to, to bear fruit. Um, so as Jesus was filled with the fullness of God, that's God's desire for us. The Holy Spirit is in you. It's another thing for you to be immersed in Him and one with Him. But if He is in us, then surely abiding in Him actually comes naturally, more naturally than we think it is. Um, the Holy Spirit is always present with us. However, we can develop a greater awareness of Him. In Proverbs 3 verse 6, it says, In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your crooked paths straight. And the word acknowledge there doesn't actually mean like praise him or tip off your hat to him and say, well done. It actually means know him, truly and intimately know him. Knowing God as you walk through life and abide in the spirit will make your crooked path straight. Just check that I haven't. <clears throat> okay, so... I work with um, children with autism. I'm an occupational therapist. And so I sort of pictured it this, this way, you know. Sometimes God can give you pictures according to what you do. So um, my children sometimes have sensory profiles of being really sensitive to sound. And I might trial noise-canceling headphones with them to see if they assist them to be more regulated and calm because it blocks out the noise. And in the same way, when James falls asleep within 10 seconds, which is quite often, I put in my earplugs so that I can fall asleep despite his snoring. <laughs> um, and in the same way, we actually need to block out the noise of the world. The world is so distracting. Our phones are so distracting. 
and we need to find time to spend intimate, quality time with Jesus, be immersed in Him, and actually ask the Spirit questions. Do you know that you can ask the Holy Spirit questions to help you in your life? And when you ask those questions, He will prompt you. And so I'm going to speak more on promptings. God's Holy Spirit is not this big, booming voice. It can literally be a thought in your head because He's one with you. So your thoughts are actually one with the Holy Spirit. So if they're bringing you direction, if your thoughts are bringing you peace or even a sense of lack of peace, then that's the Holy Spirit prompting you doesn't have to be this big voice of God saying, go to church this morning. No, it's just literally a thought in your head because the spirit lives within you and he dwells within you. Um, Yeah, and I just said here, he is a person. Talk to him through the Holy Spirit and hear what he wants to impart to you. Sorry, my tie has come loose. (laughs) Okay, in Galatians 3, verses 13 to 14, it says this, Yet Christ paid the full price to set us free from the curse of the law. He absorbed the curse completely as he became a curse in our place. For it is written, everyone who is hung upon a tree is cursed. Jesus Christ dissolved the curse from our lives so that in him all the blessings of Abraham can be poured out upon Gentiles. And now through faith we receive the promised Holy Spirit who lives in us. So it's Christ's work. We just freely receive. It's not to do with our performance. Christ was hung upon a tree and he dealt with the law. It was finished. And now, through faith, we receive the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 4, verse 6 to 7, it says, God released the spirit of sonship into our hearts moving us to cry out intimately, my father, my true father. Now we're no longer living like slaves under the law, but we enjoy being God's very own sons and daughters. And because we're his, we can access everything our father has, for we are heirs because of what God has done. When we live as sons and daughters of Christ, we get an inheritance. And we can choose to accept that inheritance of rest, and allowing the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. Or we might not. But there's a huge difference when you do. In Galatians 5, verse 17 to 18, it says this. James says this this verse is quite a mouthful, so I hope I'm able to explain it. When your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your self-life from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. But when you yield to the life of the Spirit, you will no longer be living under the law, but soaring above it. So that's saying that as a new creation, you are able to choose the Spirit. And the Spirit actually will always prompt you when you go back to your old ways and you go back to your old self. You'll feel something within you that doesn't feel right. And as a result, that's the prompting from the Holy Spirit to make you choose otherwise. And if not, 
and you do it, he'll make it right again. <clears throat> In Galatians 4, verse 6 to 7, it says, God released the spirit. Oh, <laughs> thanks, guys. Must have clicked it by mistake. So when you, <laughs> when you walk according to the flesh, life circumstances have the last word. When you walk with the spirit, however, you will find yourself talking back to your circumstances. Life does not have the last word, speaking victory over your finances, healing over depression or disease. We cannot walk according to the flesh. Jesus spoke to the mountains, storms calm, and so should we. That is very powerful. And if you live like this, you will find yourself walking in rest and effortlessly all the days of your life. So enter the supernatural rest that can only be found in Jesus. Sue shared this beautiful saying, pressure on you, presence on me. Every pressure in your life that you are feeling right now, hand it over to Jesus and, and give him all your stress and he'll bear it on his shoulders on your behalf and you get to receive his presence in replacement and his Holy Spirit. Walking in the Spirit takes practice. It takes conscious effort to switch our thoughts to the fact that by faith and the Spirit, we are not of this world. Amen. In Romans 8 verse 4, it says, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And I highlight it in us because it doesn't say by us. He fulfilled the law. We do not have to do anything to earn his love. We just need to rest. Romans 8 verse 16, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And then in John 10 verse 27, it says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So when a sheep hears the shepherd's voice, he instinctually goes towards him. So I've written here, and we were sharing at young adults, surely hearing his Holy Spirit promptings is actually more instinctual than we make it out to be. When you have eternal life living within you, which is the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, he will prompt you. <clears throat> Okay, so then I wrote here, he's almost like a sixth sense in our bodies. Like we have the privilege of having a sense that others don't get to, to experience. Um, and he's able to even prompt you on something that you're about to say to your husband, for instance, that he says, no, don't say that. Yeah. That's how simple it can be. That's really how simple it can be. Um, and before you sign anything large, purchase something large, just ask him. Yeah. See what the Spirit tells you. Yes. Um, okay. How does the Spirit lead you? So this is quite an important one because we realize something vital here. He actually bears witness. So what does that mean? It requires action on our behalf. Because when he has an action to use in the first place, he's able to 
create more actions out of that first action. And so then he's able to abundantly, abundantly bless you and guide you further. Okay. So what does it look like to walk in the spirit? You're not distracted by success or apparent failure. You are perfectly secure in your sonship and completely free. Being led by the spirit, you find you are always at the right place at the right time. Yeah, that's, that's a cool one. You're like, wow, God, all the time. You're just thinking, wow, God, like how is this possible? But it's because of his Holy Spirit promptings. Walking in the spirit, you can heal the sick just as Jesus did. We have complete authority over the devil. In contrast to those who minister condemnation, those who are led by the Spirit declare truth and with unshakable conviction, just like Jesus. Crowds gather to hear you speak about Jesus, just as crowds ran after Jesus. You are able to declare the gospel boldly in the face of persecution. You will refute every judgmental tongue which rises in opposition to the message of Christ, and you will walk fearlessly. Okay, so now in Luke 11, verse 13, it says, A gift is to be received by faith. Baptize me with the Holy Spirit to flow in me and overflow into others. So now, because of the Holy Spirit, we get the opportunity to activate the gifts. In Greek, the word for gifts is charisma, which means grace gifts of the Spirit, which in turn means unearned gifts not based on works. So God says, have a passionate desire for these gifts. So Joseph Prince wrote these gifts in this way. Under the heading to say something, oh sorry, to know something and to do something. So to say something is prophecy. We can predict the future through dreams and visions, prophetic interpretation, tongues and tongues interpretation. To know something is to have revelations Words of wisdom for the future, words of knowledge for the presence, like Jesus telling the woman at the well that she's had five, five husbands. That's a word of knowledge, and he knew that because of God. And discernment of the spiritual realm. And to do something. Faith, give words of knowledge actively. So this is where faith is, is required, and it takes action on our half. Um, healings. So there's multiple types of healings, but you might feel drawn to cancer, for instance, and you might feel drawn to going to cancer wards. And it's not to say that you can't heal other infirmities, but you might feel drawn to heal cancer specifically. And working of miracles such as feeding the thousands and teleportation. So teleportation is an unbelievable one. And James and I were prepping, we were laughing, we were like, Jesus, take us back to the, to the Maldives. <laughs> That's where we went on honeymoon. Um, okay, so I now have a beautiful, beautiful prophetic um, word that happened. And so testimonies can really, really em- empower us and, and, and love over us. So this is a friend of mine, Juliet. And Juliet went, um, let me start from the beginning. She, she had, uh, she's studying fine art, and basically she... Um, had to decide on what her topic would be for the year. And she, she heard from God and had a prompting that she needed to include creation in her work. And this, she knew, would experience a bit of backlash from lecturers who are mostly atheists. 
as well as um, friends in her class who are all atheists apart from two. But she felt really encouraged that she needed to share creation through her work. And her boyfriend and her boyfriend's mom got um, prompted through a Facebook post that was on sharing the gospel through art. And they encouraged Juliet, who doesn't even have Facebook, to go on to this meeting. And as you can see here, one of the artists from the US who has absolutely no idea who Juliet is, and she's a famous artist who paints during worship, painted Juliet. And on that Zoom, you can see that picture in black and white of Juliet. And this is a picture that Juliet's been using in her fine art to depict creation with the crown and flowers on her head. And in the art, you can even see the flowers running down her chest and over her head. And you can see her face is at the exact angle. Her eyes are closed, just like the picture. And that's completely loved on Juliet. And that's how real God's love is. And it's amazing how the prophecy took the artist, as well as God prompting the mom and, this, and her boyfriend, to tell her to go on the Zoom so that God's love could really be shown to her. Because if she hadn't gone on that Zoom, he wouldn't have been able to love in her in this way and show her how he was able to actually get someone to paint her, to say, thank you for using me in your, in your art studies, and thank you for depicting creation to all of the atheist friends in your class and your lecturers. <clears throat> so um, in closing, I wanted to just pray for people over words of knowledge that I received. Um, and I know it's the end of the service now, so I am going to allow you guys to leave, but if it's you, I would love for you to please come up. I went on a run on Friday morning. It was one of those runs where I was singing, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here the whole way. <laughs> and um, I sat on the steps at the end and I just received from God and I asked him, what do you want to tell your people? And he actually just gave me these words of knowledge. So if this is you, please come to me after the service. I felt like someone has right lower back pain that's actually preventing them from actually getting up in the morning sometimes. Um, so if that's you, please come to me after the service. You can raise your hand now if it is you. Otherwise, I'll also be sharing it in second service. And I also felt like someone has a ringing in their ear that's really been painful in their right ear specifically. So if that's you, please also come to me after the service. And lastly, I really felt in my heart to pray for people who have experienced miscarriages, and as a result, you've been experiencing severe turmoil and anxiety ever since, whether that was 10 years ago or whether it happened in the last week. Please come up, and I'd love to pray over you.